Would you open up to the book of Mark chapter 10? Trust you brought your Bibles tonight. Mark chapter 10. The presence of Jesus Christ is a gift. His presence, how he comes into the room, how he comes to meet us, walks onto the scene, our circumstance of life, where we are in life. His presence really is a gift. In the Word of God, the very presence of Jesus Christ caused people to move. The very presence of Jesus Christ was cause for action. We think of blind Bartimaeus, or a man named Jairus, or the woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, or Zacchaeus. The presence of God, the presence of Jesus invokes movement, action, a response. At the presence of Jesus, some moved unrighteously because their hearts were wrong and their pride was strong. There was this reluctance. And therefore, when Jesus came on the scene, even in the Word of God, when we read, they moved in an unrighteous manner. They moved in a wrong manner. When you realize your desperate need for Jesus, it shatters pride and reluctance. When you realize your desperate need for Jesus, you will move. You will actually begin to move in the natural. When you realize, when we realize our desperate need for Jesus Christ, it's cause for action. It's a response out of brokenness and out of humility and meekness. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Here we see the presence of Jesus, Jesus Christ coming on the scene, entering the vicinity of where this man was, this blind man. Here's Jesus. And blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. When he heard that he had walked on the scene and that he was passing by, he began to cry out for mercy. And the crowd warned him to quiet down. And 
keep his voice down, but he cried out all the more. He was moved by the presence of Jesus Christ. He understood his desperate need, that he needed Jesus. Jesus calls the man, and the man throwing aside his garment rises and comes to Jesus. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8. The presence of Jesus invokes movement. I trust that we have a fresh appreciation tonight for the presence of Jesus, that we understand that it is a gift. We don't take it lightly when he walks onto the scene. We don't take it lightly when we come into this place and encounter his presence. When he walks onto the scene at our place of occupation or when we're laying in the hospital bed or when we're hanging out with friends or when we really have a need, when he walks on the scene, when his presence, that tangible presence comes, I pray that we would not take it lightly, but we would treat it as a gift. Luke 8, verses 40 to 56. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and pass you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Jesus feels the desperation of the individual, the one who's pressing through the crowd. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat, and her parents were astonished. You know, things happen when we realize our desperate need for Jesus Christ. There is an encounter that takes place when men and women, sons and daughters, come to the realization of their desperate need for Jesus Christ. When they cry out for mercy like blind Bartimaeus, when they cry out for healing, when they press through the crowd, when they understand that the very presence of Jesus 
is a gift. And that as they encounter that presence, as they call out, as they move, even in the natural, something takes place. There's a collision with the very one who can meet their need. The presence of Jesus invokes movement. We move, I want us to get that tonight, when we realize our desperate need for Jesus. We can apply this to prayer. We can apply this to worship. We can apply this to church attendance. We can apply this to Bible reading, to seeking God, to fasting. People move when they realize their desperate need for Jesus. When they acknowledge their desperate need for Jesus. When it no longer becomes just something they say. But the very reality When they become broken and humbled, knowing that he's all they have and all they need. This man named Jairus, he comes and he falls down at the feet of Jesus and he's begging Jesus to come to his house and heal his child. This woman with this flow of blood for 12 years I think it's hard for us sometimes to relate to these stories. Twelve years, she spent all her livelihood, she spent everything she had trying to get well, trying to get whole. We can apply that to other areas tonight, not just the physical realm, but spend everything on trying to fix your life and find your way and find purpose and reason, go after things, spend all you have to be something or become something and still the flow of blood. Twelve years. That's a long time. And the moment came when Jesus comes on the scene. The gift of his presence. She still had faith. The presence of Jesus caused that faith, even if it was small as a mustard seed, to rise up and begin to grow. And she went after the one who could heal her. The presence of Jesus invokes movement, moved by the presence of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing to come in to the house of the Lord and see those that are moved by the presence of Jesus. And for those that aren't moved by the presence of Jesus, your heart breaks and you cry out that they too would come to the realization of their desperate need of him. Because he's their only hope. And whatever's standing in the way of encountering him, pray that it would be torn away. That their eyes would be opened and their hearts would be softened. Their ears would be opened. They would begin to perceive and understand that they need him. That they need his presence and his power. Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. 
So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Here's Zacchaeus, this wee little man. Jesus is passing through town. The presence of Jesus. Jesus is coming on the scene and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he couldn't because of the crowd. And so he runs ahead and climbs into a sycamore tree to see him. The presence of Jesus invokes movement. It's cause for movement. At the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, when we hear that it's Jesus, in what manner do we move? When we come into church, in what manner do we move? When we hear that Jesus is coming on the scene, if we need him to be the healer or we need him to be the provider or we need him to be the strength or the peace, in what manner do we move? Does the presence of Jesus cause us to move, even in the natural? Do we recognize our desperate need of him or are our hearts wrong? And our pride strong. Four wise statements tonight. Number one, ignore the crowd. Ignore the crowd. Mark 10, verses 47 and 48. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to exhort us tonight, don't miss the encounter with Jesus to appease the ears of the crowd. The crowd would tell us to quiet down. The crowd would tell us to hush and to be quiet. The crowd would even warn us, we're warning you. But this man knew his desperate need of Jesus. And the crowd was not going to silence him. We draw spiritual application. The crowd would seek to silence us. The crowd would tell us, quiet down. Don't cry out. Hush. But when you realize your desperate need of Jesus, you will ignore the crowd. Are you ignoring the crowd? Are we ignoring the crowd?
The voice reads, When he was told that Jesus of Nazareth was passing in that throng, he called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Son of David, take pity on me and help me. Disgusted by the blind man's public display. Wow. Others in the crowd tried to silence him until the master passed. Some of the crowd, be quiet, shush. But Bartimaeus still louder. Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Some are disgusted by the display in worship. Some are disgusted by intercession. Some are disgusted by wholehearted abandonment to serve God. Holiness, purity. Some are disgusted by too much church. When you realize your desperate need of Jesus, you don't care about the crowd. And that's the type of generation we need. Not that are okay with sticking to the level of the crowd and being just like the crowd and being in the crowd and if the crowd tells you to hush, then okay, I'm going to hush. If the crowd tells you to quiet down, quiet down your faith, quiet down your zeal, quiet down your passion, okay. Hey, we're warning you. Ignore the crowd. Jesus will notice you. If you appease the crowd, Jesus may not notice you. Pass right through town. Well, why didn't he notice me? Well, you cared more about what the crowd thought than encounter with his presence. Number two, press through the crowd. Mark 5, verse 27, the Living Bible, she had heard all about the wonderful miracles Jesus did. And that is why she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his clothes. Sometimes there's a crowd in our way. There's just a crowd in our way. And the crowd can speak to many things. It could be many things tonight. We don't have to pinpoint and label them all. Sometimes there's a crowd in our way. And I simply say tonight, don't let the crowd stand in your way. The crowd stands in our way to keep us from Jesus, to keep us from his presence, to keep us from encounter with the one that we need. The one that's worthy of praise and honor and loyalty and faithfulness and service. Number three, run ahead of the crowd. Just like Zacchaeus, we need to run ahead of the crowd. Luke 19, 1 to 5, the J.B. Phillips New Testament. Then he went into Jericho and was making his way through it. And here we find a wealthy man called Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, wanting to see what sort of person Jesus was. But the crowd prevented him from doing so, for he was very short 
So we ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to get a view of Jesus. He was heading that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw the man and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I must be your guest today. Run ahead of the crowd. Run ahead of the crowd. I wonder how many people are discouraged by the crowd. Don't want to run. Don't want to move. Don't want to climb a tree. Again, we're not talking about literally running ahead and climbing a tree. You know what we're saying tonight. They don't want to move. They'll just float behind the crowd or with the crowd, and they'll never see Jesus. Never really have a personal encounter with him. Maybe corporate encounter, but not a personal encounter with Jesus. Run ahead of the crowd. And number four, rise above the crowd. We need to climb up higher than the crowd. Get up higher than the crowd. Beware of the low level of the crowd. Beware of the low level of the crowd. I'm not sure why we care so much about what the crowd thinks. Why are we trying to appease the crowd and be like the crowd and look like the crowd and talk like the crowd and not disrupt the crowd and fit in with the crowd? I'd far sooner be hanging out with Jesus and having an encounter with him than having the crowd and not him. And a lot of people in this generation are more concerned, sadly, with the crowd and they're missing out on Jesus. They're in the vicinity. I mean, he's there. He's walking around. But they're not encountering Jesus. They're not speaking with Jesus. They're not touching Jesus. They're not having a real encounter with his presence. He's simply there. He's in the land. He's in the city. He's in the town. He's in the church. They're a part of the crowd. But they're okay with just being a part of the crowd. I don't know if they realize their desperate need. Because when you realize your desperate need, you'll move. Zacchaeus could have been discouraged. I'm just a tiny little man. But he was determined to see Jesus. Rise above the crowd. Beware the low level of the crowd. And Jesus will stop and he will look up and he will notice you. At the presence of Jesus, some moved to stone him. At the presence of Jesus, some moved to follow him. At the presence of Jesus, some moved to arrest him. At the presence of Jesus, some moved to praise him. At the presence of Jesus, some moved to honor him and anoint him. We know the story of the woman with the costly, costly flask. 
that oil. At the presence of Jesus, even demons moved. Luke 8, verses 26 to 28. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. And we know the story. At the presence of Jesus, even the demons moved. Do we realize that when we come in here at the presence of Jesus in corporate worship, the enemy's shaking in his boots. The walls are coming down. Things are changing. The sea is splitting. God is doing radical things. Chains are falling off people's lives. I think sometimes we don't understand what's taking place in the spiritual. But as we move, if we understand the corporate mandate of worship, and we'll camp here just for a second, if we understand the corporate mandate and the nine expressions of worship and what they mean and how they apply and that there's a warfare in it, when we realize our desperate need, we will move. And when we realize the desperate need of our brothers and sisters, we will move. For the word says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have compassion for our brothers and sisters. We begin to move in worship. We clap and we strike against the enemy. We begin to dance upon injustice. We shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We take these weapons and we move and things are happening in the spiritual. If our eyes were open to what's happening in the spiritual, wow. We have no idea. At the presence of Jesus, even the demons moved. Let's have the worship team return. At the presence of Jesus and in the presence of Jesus, when we hear that it's Jesus, when we see Jesus, in what manner do we move? Do we recognize our desperate need of him? Are our hearts wrong? And our pride strong? A lot of times it's pride. Sometimes it's lack of understanding. But again, we talk about something like worship when we hear in the word. And we're instructed in the word how we are to worship God. He's God. He should tell us how to worship him, shouldn't he? Just the thought. And so when he tells us how to worship him, not only to bless him and glorify him, but that we worship him in these ways because there's power in these ways. When he comes and instructs us in that manner, why would we not receive the revelation and then begin to move? Is it pride? Is it because some person is reading out of the word and telling you to do it and you don't like their haircut or you don't like them so you nullify and you shut down that message and you don't take it to heart even though it's the word of God you don't like the way they look or the way they act 
Or perhaps they forgot to say hi to you one time. Whatever it is, when we hear the revelation of what Jesus is calling us to, why don't we just take it and run with it? Why do we shut it down because we don't like the mouthpiece? Or why do we shut it down because it's like, you're telling me to do this, I don't want to move. Well, okay, stand there then for the rest of your life. Enjoy it. Have fun with that. It's not my walk of faith. It's not my life with Jesus. It's yours. So if you hear a message on prayer and you don't want to move and pray, good on you. That's your choice. If you hear a message on worship, you don't want to worship, that's on you. You want to come into the presence of the Lord for the rest of your life and be filled with pride or let your emotions run the show, that's up to you. You hear a message on tithing and you have financial struggle and you hear that, man, this is the proven way of the Lord. He's calling you to throw coins in the plate. Uh, and you don't move. That's on you. You see, God comes for those who have ears to hear and a heart to understand. And the Spirit comes to churches across the planet week in and week out and the Spirit speaks through the Word of God when believers open the Word week in and week out. But it's for those who have ears to hear because some don't have ears to hear. Some have ears to hear only what they want to hear. Some have itchy ears. They gather those preachers that will tell them what they want to hear. They rifle through. This is the generation we have. Rifle through a list of podcasts. Listen 20 seconds in. I don't like that one. There's too much conviction. On to the next. My preacher's preaching too harsh this month. I'm going to go find some postmodern guy that's going to, you know, make me feel good. Come on, let's be real. I don't like that translation. That one's too harsh. Let's find a little easier translation. You know what I'm saying? Which it's really a paraphrase. It's not even the real word of God. I don't like that other one, that old school one. It's way too harsh. These guys, they're teaching me about a Jesus. Yeah, he might be the biblical one, but I don't like him very much. He seems too controlling and too legalistic. And Well, not if you love him, but anyways. You know what I'm saying? That's the truth. Because when you realize your desperate need, I delight to do your will, O Lord. I long to be holy. I long to serve you. I'm passionate about worship, about prayer, about your house about giving, about reaching out and touching others. Ignore the crowd. Press through the crowd. Run ahead of the crowd and rise above the crowd. Forget the low level of the crowd. I trust we can receive this. We all need to hear it. And for some of us, and for all of us, we do have the crowd that's different. We all have our own crowd. And it's not necessarily just people. It could be things. It could be activities. It could be manners. It could be character. It could be the way that we've grown up, what we've been taught, or what we haven't been taught. And that's our crowd. But God's calling us to rise above it, to come up to a new level of understanding, a new level of wisdom, a new level in relationship with Him, to take us higher than we've ever been before. And what an opportunity 
I don't know if we realize, and I hope we do, the great gift of his presence. It's unbelievable. And if we understand that his presence is a gift, we'll wake up every day and we will get into his presence and we'll call on his presence and we'll press into his presence if we don't care about his presence. Listen, every day in the kingdom is Christmas. And maybe you've lost the wonder of Christmas and you're that old person. Sleep in. Come on, you know when you're a kid, you're up early, you're just like geared and ready to go, right? You can't even wait. You've already peeked in the corner of the press. I mean, you're just, you're so geared up. You got your new little PJs on that you got that year and ready to go, right? So excited. And as you get older, for some reason, nah, it's another day. Oh, it actually cost me a lot of money. So calculated, and you just rip the joy right out of it. Yeah, you better enjoy that. You're thinking in your head, you enjoy that present, kid. And the first time you're bad, I'm taking it away. You know, like whatever. We need to get back to that place, childlike faith in the kingdom, so full of anticipation. You crack open the book, it's not like, oh, is it going to convict me? Oh, the, the little box I have to check off for Bible reading today, is it going to convict me? You're just like, Lord, do what you want to do, because it's going to be better for me. And it's going to leave me better off than I was yesterday. So whatever you have for me, Lord, just go for it. Be excited when you come into church. Not, oh, it's another church service. Be excited about what God's going to do. The opportunity to come into his presence. You know what? We don't know how many more opportunities on this side of eternity we actually have to encounter the presence of Jesus. If I told you I was going to give you a box of makeup, ladies, Every morning for the rest of your life, you'd just be, man, yeah, I'm going to wake up and check it out. That new powder or whatever you guys call it all, right? Some of you are like, I'm El Natural. I don't wear any of that stuff. And that's good. But you know what I'm saying? Some of these guys here, if I told you I was going to give you a new car every morning, you'd be like, come on. What if I gave you the car you didn't want the next morning, even though it was brand new? You'd still take it. We get so excited about things. Don't let the excitement of the kingdom be stripped away from your life. This is the greatest life. It's the most exciting thing. Wow. Let's stand tonight. Perhaps tonight you feel it. You feel the deep need. You feel that deep need of Jesus. Listen, it never ends for those that know their deep need. <laughs> All the days of your life, you're going to feel it, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel once again the calling to move. You feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, on your spirit, on your soul, calling you to move. Maybe for the first time you feel the presence of Jesus calling you to move. Maybe you don't know Jesus. You have walked away, and here tonight you feel. It could be that the crowd is trying to quiet you down, and you know that pressure. The crowd is in your way keeping you from Jesus. 
Let's just take a few moments here. He's going to sing the God who was and is to come, the power of the risen one. You can sing the words if you'd like. Just focus in on the Lord. Would you just push out the hindrances and the distractions and focus on Him just for a moment? Even in these moments, even in this moment, ignore the crowd. Even in this moment, press through the crowd. Even in this moment, run ahead. And in this moment, climb higher than the crowd, rise above the crowd. Well, let's sing it. The God who was and is, we sing.